Welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. Today we'll be continuing our series, Transforming. We hope you enjoy. Father, thank you this morning for the privilege of waking up. The privilege of having air fill our lungs and uh, to look out and, and realize we have one more day to live with no guarantees about tomorrow. And so, Lord, we want to live it well, and we want to learn this morning how to stop conforming to the pressures around us and how to think differently. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and help us as we consider your word and have it planted deep into our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. This will uh, surprise you where we start this morning, these three uh, creatures from the Wizard of Oz. Do you remember them? <laughs> yeah, there's Dorothy with uh, these three guys who need something to change them. You know, the, uh, the lion is actually a story in my own life. As a kid, I had uh, uh, night terrors. And uh, one night when I was, uh, I don't know, eight or nine, ten uh, I had seen The Wizard of Oz, and uh, I had a broken leg, compound fracture, and uh, just had it for a few days, wasn't used to the cast, and there's no strength in my leg. My cast fell off my bed, and it was so heavy, it jerked me up uh, like this, and there at the end of my bed was the lion coming at me, um, and he was not... <laughs> cowardly anymore he was just like this <laughs> just, so that guy I'm afraid of him <laughs> he found courage beyond courage but uh, the other one needed a new heart you know and the other one needed a brain and we all know that we need something in our lives most of us have discovered in our journey of following Jesus that there's certain things that are easier to change and there's other things that are like Achilles heels that every weak moment, every, every time you're tired, every time you're discouraged or depressed, you kind of go back to that gutter ball and you think, ah, oh, it's still here, you know? Well, we're gonna talk about all of that this morning only we don't need a new heart. We don't need, we already got that from Jesus, right? But the three things Paul talks about today are uh, number one, to stop conforming. It's a shocking thing that he would actually talk about that, but that's where we start. Then to think new, think differently, and then out of that, to act differently. And, and it's phenomenal to think that you and I as Christians actually, almost intoxicating to think that we can actually change to that degree. So the two passages we've studied so far, one is 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. Isn't that good? It's going on more and more. Which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And the few things that we learn from that is all of us, we all, uh, 
We, we do it not by focusing on ourselves. We do it by discovering his love, what he's done for us, what I call the Christ event, the incarnation, the crucifixion, the resurrection. As I consider that love and contemplate it, I'm changed and it's ever increasing and it's done by the spirit. Because if I had to be the little engine that could, that just I'm changing myself, uh, it's just not gonna work. So please, as we go through this series again, uh, this is not try harder, okay? This is trust more. And then last week, we looked at 12.1 of Romans. I urge you, brothers. And we considered that this was a command. This is not extra credit. In view of God's mercy, as we consider his love, now to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. So you have been made holy and pleasing to God. Uh, this is temple language. This is a, a lamb that is without spot or blemish. That's you. But now, instead of dead sacrifices, it's a living sacrifice that through your life, you are speaking love language, sacrificial, offering yourself back to God. Um, and God's pleased with this. This is true and proper worship. This is the logical thing that you have been created for. This is you. This is in the pocket, becoming the real you. So we, we considered a little uh, metamorphosis cycle here, mimicking the cycle of a butterfly as it goes from a caterpillar to a butterfly. But we, we start with God's love, Paul says, and out of God's love, we offer ourselves back to him. And now we move forward into stop conforming, new thinking, and new behavior. But I want you to know in a different diagram that there are choices to be made. And this is where we can sometimes get a little bit lazy. You know, not you, but maybe me. Ah, oh, I don't feel like changing. I am what I am. Isn't that Popeye? <laughs> so the choice that I experience is I can focus on God's love or I can have other love objects that I focus on that are brought to me by the world saying, you could be great, you could be significant, you could be amazing if you had this or you, if you were that. And I have to choose which love object I'm looking at. And in the new me, the Bible says, out of, out of the transformation, out of the conversion that you have experienced in Jesus Christ, you have the power to choose. Maybe before you chose between sin and sin, but now, and Martin Luther, the reformer, has a nice little treatise on this, that now you are truly free to choose what we want to focus on. And then out of this, we choose again what we offer ourselves to. Paul says, don't offer yourselves to the old stuff, the bad stuff. Don't keep offering yourself to that uh, and believe the lies and believe the old tapes, but to offer yourself to God instead. So now we come, to, and out of that, we become response-able. Now, where he goes this morning, I think, is shocking. He's telling us to stop conforming. 
And I, I would not have guessed that. It seems kind of like a negative thing. It's kind of like, come on, repent, stop it. And that, even though some of the translations just have do not conform, it can literally translate because it's in the imperative, stop conforming to the pattern of this world. And then we read on in verse two, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We hate the word copycat. If someone wanted to accuse you of anything, the worst thing they can say to you is, you're just a copycat, aren't you? You just mimic people, don't you? Uh, you know, call me unique, call me Picasso, but don't call me a copycat. It's the worst thing that we can hear. When I was a teenager, I, re I was uh, junior high, I think, I was becoming aware of this. This is the 60s, and everybody was trying to be unique. Uh, you know, long hair, bell bottoms. Uh, everybody was copying each other in being unique, right? <laughs> We're still doing the same thing, right? Different tats, but tats. Different hair, but hair. Different clothing, but clothing. And it just kind of goes on and on and on. And, and as, as a junior higher going into high school, I remember thinking, wow, I've been socialized. I've been socialized by my parents, being raised middle class. I've been, I'm now being socialized by my friends. I'm being socialized by the media. Now we have social media. I'm being socialized by my Western culture, fashion, music, and now I'm even being socialized by the nonconformists. And I begin to ask myself, what is uniquely me that hasn't been socialized to be just like everybody else? So Paul says here, don't conform to the pattern of this world. And we need to unpack that word. Translators have struggled with this particular word. And some translators just say, don't conform. The NIV has, don't conform to the pattern. Because buried in this word conform, which is kind of a synonym to transform, you get the word play that Paul is giving us here, is this word, suschematizo. And buried in it is our word scheme or pattern. So what Paul is suggesting here is there's patterns. And he doesn't care about the patterns of, of fashion and, and music and, and houses. He's not talking about that. You, you, there's no way you can stop being human. If you just run out into the jungle, there's patterns, okay? But he's concerned about the fallen nature. He's concerned about the, the sinful nature. He's concerned about the things that harm you and harm others through you. The patterns that we've learned in speech and attitude and thoughts. One of the translations I like is uh, the old ASV, American Standard, versus not the new American Standard, old American Standard, which is, and be not fashioned. 
You can imagine someone just dressing you every morning. They're fashioning you. You don't get to choose your clothes. Or, even better yet, the Phillips translation. He has, don't let the world squeeze you into its own mold. Don't you like that? By the way, a little uh, footnote I won't test you on is the fact that uh, when J.B. Phillips, this great uh, canon in the Anglican church, was doing his translation and no one wanted to publish it, uh, his friend, C.S. Lewis, found him a publisher because he liked the fact that this was a modern, fresh translation. Kind of cool to know that. And the term for world here is age, I own, which has both the idea of something that's passing away. So don't chase after what's passing away, but it's very much similar to a word that John uses, another apostle, in the word cosmos, world, where he says, love not the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the Love of the Father is not in them. And also, he says, for everything in the world. Here's the patterns. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. The pride of life. The pride of life is all about me. It's hard to escape yourself, right? Uh, I want to be significant. I want people to care about me. I want people to notice me. We're born with this uh, pride in us. The negative part of pride. It's good to have pride in your family, pride in your country, that good part, but the negative part. And the lust of the eyes. My eyes looking around need, want, get, at all costs get. And the lust of the flesh, talking about uh, the the appetite, sexual appetite, uh, eating appetite, these things that take over and control us in what we do, these patterns. So with that in mind, he says, stop being conformed. It's in the imperative, so it's a command to you and me. It's in the present tense, so it's never over. As long as we're on this planet, never hear me talk about sinful, uh, sinless perfection. Never gonna come out of my mouth. Because we're in the process, right? Nobody's better than anybody else. It's an ongoing daily process. And then thirdly, it's in the passive mood, which is stunning that I have to obey a command that is done to me. Isn't that ironic? So it's the spirit who's changing you, and my role is to cooperate, to not resist what the Spirit is doing to me, because it's in the passive mood, which means um, that when I am conforming uh, in this role of, of conforming, that it's almost subconscious, that I've been conformed, molded by the world, and I don't know how it happened. So here's some areas of... of uh, for us to consider the schemes, the patterns of the world. One is power. Think about how people have power. Uh, I have grandchildren, and I'm seeing the same things that our kids went through when they were in kindergarten, and the same things I went through when I was in kindergarten. And I don't know when kids begin to learn 
the pecking order and the power, but it starts earlier than kindergarten. In this world, one of the patterns is if you're beautiful, you have power. You start hearing it when you're young, you're so beautiful. And if you're the one that's chosen over the other siblings, the relatives come to town, the friends come over and say, oh, she's so cute. And there's three other girls standing there, but they do this to the one girl. You begin to learn, ah, trade in beauty. There's power there. You begin to learn strength as guys. Uh, one of the reasons guys work out is not just to stay healthy. It's, there's power in it. You can shake someone's hand and at the same time feel their biceps and say, whoa, you got some guns, baby. <laughs> there's, there's some power here. Brains. Some of us learn how to trade. You don't have the beauty and you don't have the, the, the bronze. Go for the brains. You know, Silicon Valley. Those are the guys that run the world. They control the world. Bigger than countries. There's power there. And bucks. If you don't have any of those, just make some money. People come over to your house. They just can sense, wow, you've got some power. Now, it's not for us to feel bad about any four of those areas in our lives unless we decide that's what makes me significant in this world. Paul would say, stop it. Stop, that's not who you are. You're deeper than that. You're, you're more important than that. You're in the image of God. Consider another issue, shame. Remember, shame came in the garden. There was no shame before the fall. Consider all the nuances of shame. Intimidation. The things that make you feel shameful. People intimidate you, tease you for something about your life, mock you in front of other people, belittle you. All these things to make you go away feeling shameful. Like I, I got this sticky shame stuff on me. Where did it come from? Oh, yeah. Those people made me feel bad about myself. Or you internalize it once you've been around it enough, and now you just go around feeling guilty. You, just this free-floating guilt. You withdraw. You don't want to be around these people or other people because it might happen again. Self-blaming. They must be amazing. There's something wrong with me. Or radaring. Noticing like a bat how people think about you and then building your life around what people think about you rather than being you. That's what Jesus hated about the Pharisees. They were using religion to do it to other people. I go through that. I, one of my, um, don't tell anybody I told you this, but uh, one of the things I, I like the least in my profession is to go to a pastor's conference. I know, I'm a pastor. <laughs> because people come up to you and say, hey, what's your name? I'm Frank, what's your name? Mark, Mark. 
Uh, where do you come from? So what's the name of your church? How big is it? How many campuses do you have? How much of this, 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 this? And I'm just thinking, can we not do this? What does it matter if I have 20 people or 20,000? That's not what makes me significant, but it's even in the religious world. Another area to consider is significance. What makes you significant? The Bible would say God does. And how could you be bigger than God? That you're made in the image of God. That's pretty good. Put that at the top of your resume. But the pattern of the world would say you're significant because of the people you know. Have you ever done that? You know that person that's playing at that concert? Yeah, you know, the 100,000 people that are coming to hear. Well, you know, my cousin. (laughs) My cousin knows someone who used to be a roadie for them. (laughs) Whoa. Positions. You know, if, if, if you're the corporate vice president or the senior vice president, uh, but if you're a pawn on the chessboard, if you're not a king, rook, or a castle, you know, we just kind of back off and telling people the position that we have, what the, our possessions are, and we trade in that. And then finally, the, the thing that the Bible talks a lot about is wants and desires. It often calls, calls it lusts. The reason I stay away from lusts is because in our culture, we think of that as only being sexual. But in the Bible, lusts are talking about super desires. Desires, it doesn't matter if you just want a new sprinkler system. If, if that's overwhelming you, you need to just back off. One of the things that I do when I feel when I go out shopping for a car, I I feel myself kind of gravitate, you know, and I just finally end up looking at a Maserati, and I just think, okay, now I need to just back off because this is overwhelming me. So I ended up with a Prius, you know. I just it was all like I was finding my identity there and you don't that's not your problem that was my problem and uh, I think Priuses are awesome (laughs) I I beat a lot of people off the line and 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 you know your loss can be anything. But here's what happens with lusts. Lusts turn into addictions. If you start seeing them loop in your life, uh, most of us, if, if it's not substances, we won't use the word. That's for those people who are in recovery. But it, it can be anything that you find yourself being attached to. Things have a way of latching on to your soul. They literally just latch on. And I don't know what that is or how it happens, but you find yourself increasingly obsessing 
over these things. 1 Peter 1.14 says, as obedient children, stop conforming. Do not, he uses the exact word that Paul uses to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. So now you consider what someone like Rondi is doing. Now you get it. She's actually helping people to stop conforming, but we all need that. We're worshipful beings, and we, even though we, we want to believe, even as an atheist, I worship nothing. No, we're helplessly worshipful beings. We will worship, give ultra-significance to something and find our identity in something. So Paul is calling us away from that to not conform and repent. And this is what not conforming is really all about. Just stop, repent, realize you need to go the other way. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3.18, do not deceive yourself. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. Risk foolishness. Risk it. You can do that any number of ways. Say, say that fashion is just like obsessive to you. Step back a little from it and go hang around with some people that are obsessed with it and see what happens. Just deal with it in your own little world rather than radar anything. Well, do they like my scarf? Do they like my heels? That's the way guys think, you know. Um, <laughs> just back off. Risk being foolish to say, you know, that is not me. That is not my identity. And so on. Don't be shaped by it. Have you heard of the lemming effect? The lemming effect is just a term that we use in our culture to describe uh, being copycats. And I, I love to, to pick on the matrix because it's all about copycats and the, the protagonist being brave enough to break out of the matrix. But you remember, I think this guy's name is Mr. Smith. Is, is that, you know, I mean... There's a thousand of Mr. Smiths, all identical because they're just computerized duplications. And, and that's what Paul's saying. Don't, don't be that. Don't be a lemming. So the lemming condition or effect is where it used to be that uh, scientists included thought that lemmings so followed each other in whatever they would do that they would actually commit suicide together. A lemming is a rodent that lives up in the Arctic, and uh, they're just kind of a copycat uh, rodent. Do whatever the other guys are doing. And it's true that sometimes when the population begins to mount some of the lemmings will decide instinctively we got to find some new terrain to live. And the leaders will step out to swim across a lake and find new terrain to start populating. And every, everyone will follow. But it's been documented that a few times the leaders head out into the Arctic Ocean thinking it's a lake. 
And just thousands of them follow and die. The lemming effect. So who are you following? Who do you want to become? By the way, uh, the, the myth about lemmings is that they commit suicide together. Uh, when they go out into the Arctic Ocean, they're not intending to commit suicide. Walt Disney, in 1958, uh, had a movie called, I think, White Wonder uh, about the Arctic. He got an Academy Award for it. But they actually committed fraud uh, to try to create the lemming effect of lemmings jumping off a cliff because it was thought that they would jump off cliffs together and commit suicide. And they couldn't get the lemmings to do it. Uh, so they filmed it where you couldn't see the guy at the top of the cliff throwing lemmings off the cliff. <laughs> yeah, I know. We still like Disney, but uh, that, that was film fraud. <laughs> so once we decide, okay, I've given you this big dose because a lot of us here think, I'm not a copycat. Those guys are. I'm not. I'm, I'm trying to get to you. And I hope I found you this morning. And then what do we do? Paul says, think new. Think new. Now that's crazy to think that we can not only stop conforming, Paul says, instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Or literally be being transformed. Think of it. This is incredible that you and I can be actually new. You can be someone different. Some of you thought about when you went from junior high to high school, you thought, wow, I want to be different. I'm going to change friends. I'm going to change stereotypes. I'm going to cut my hair. I'm going to do this because I, I, I'm tired of being a musician. I'm going to be a jock. I'm tired of being a jock. I'm going to be a musician. And you actually intentionally said, this is a break. I can become someone new. This is a bigger break than all of that. When we follow Jesus, you can think differently about God, about yourself, about others, about events, about positions, possessions. You can think differently about all of this. This is your metamorphosis. So coming back to the diagram, you see what's happening here. Paul is saying, okay, choose your love object. That's your choice. We choose God's love, and now we offer ourselves to God. But watch this. Out of that, he says, you are, instead of being conformed by the world, you are being transformed. And it's all choice that you and I make. And I think, frankly, I won't talk about this again. Well, maybe I will. But my measurement of the Western Christian community is we think very low about how much we can change. We can change a lot. We should expect to greatly change. Can you go to the next slide? Thank you. To expect to greatly change. Let me just give you a few scriptures as you're thinking about this. I have been crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20, and I no longer live. It's not in your notes. It's just coming out of my mouth. Um, but Christ lives in me, and the life now that I live in this body, I live by faith. I'm faithing it 
in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Whoa! Again, either Paul is on drugs or this is new reality for you and I. Again, from the words of Paul, Romans 6.4, we were therefore buried with him through the baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So your new life is tethered to the resurrection. So the power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that's now changing you. In the words of Jesus, John 10.10, I have come that you may have life and have it abundant, to the full, to the max. So this metamorphosis is going on, and the big deal for this morning is the renewing of your mind. How we think matters about the transformation. According to Paul, how we think, it's important. At one time, our minds were unredeemed. So think about how we used to think. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 4.4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So I was blinded about this subject before. He says in Romans chapter 8, verse 5, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But when my mind begins to change, he says in the same verse, but those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. He goes on to say their minds are governed, not by the flesh, which is death, but their minds are governed by the Spirit, which is life and peace. And over into Ephesians, are you still there? Over into Ephesians, he says, be made new in the attitude of your minds. So this is not just an aberrant occurrence in Romans 12. Put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. When I was doing my grad work in uh, psychology, by the way, I'm not a a clinical psychologist. I just um, studied that a lot. But I studied theology a lot uh, before that. I just don't want you to think this is just a bunch of psychology. One of, the, one of the guys I came across was William James, the very first American psychologist at Harvard. And he was describing his experience of counseling people. And he says, people create pathways of thinking, which creates pathways of behavior. I think Paul said this 2,000 years before William James. And he said that what has to happen is the pathways that you've created. Just picture a vacant lot. And, and you want to get from here to the shopping center. And you can either go down the sidewalk at a right angle or you can just cut diagonally through this vacant lot, right? And what happens is you begin to create a pathway where the weeds and the grass don't grow on that pathway. And that's your stinking thinking. You have created pathways. You see that person? Oh, I know that person. That's a pathway. 
You see the, I, that's the pathway. You see, uh, that's the pathway. And so I have all these thinking pathways. And Paul is saying, you can create new pathways in your brain. Neurologists and, and psychologists, psychiatrists would tell you the same thing now, only they'd be speaking about the brain, the literal brain, the gray matter between your two ears. And they would describe it as plasticity, that we used to think that however you thought was just hardened like concrete. But now we know that no, you actually are creating neurons all the time and you can think differently. Now think, if, if a neurologist is saying that about your brain, how much more that which is back behind the brain, which is your mind and soul, that's, that Paul is speaking to, that says you can think differently. Listen to this verse in Philippians chapter 4. Finally, brothers, don't you love it when a pastor finally uses the word finally? <laughs> whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is ex pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, here's the command. Think about that. New pathways of thinking. Now I ask you, where did Paul learn this? What grad school did he go to to learn this? I'll tell you where he learned it. He learned it in prison. Have you ever had a down day? I'm imagining in prison you might have a few. Like, so this is my life. This is what I do. And it's kind of Groundhog Day. What are you doing today? Well, I'm eating some bread and drinking some water. And I'm walking around these four walls, 10 by 10. What do you do to keep from going crazy? What do you do to keep from going and getting depressed and discouraged and down? He says, I've learned to control my mind. In another passage, he says, uh, we're not falling prey to that because we have learned to take thoughts captive, that I'm the boss of my thoughts. Now, that's incredible that you are the boss of your thoughts. Cognitive therapy teaches the same thing for people dealing with depression. Uh, it, but this is bigger than that. This is the word of God saying that we can decide to think about what's true, noble, right, and you can put antonyms to every one of these things. If you think about what's false, stop it. If you think about what's ignoble, stop it. If you think about what's wrong, what's un impure, what's ugly, what's not admirable, and what's complain-worthy, you can tell. It, it, the stinking thinking just takes you down. You, you think, well, I'm a human being. I can think this. I'm free. I just feel I'm kind of having a bad day. If I want to be down about myself, I'm going to be down. And, but what happens is it loops, and it comes around and takes you down further. My roommate in college, he would go into these dark, dark periods. And I could see, uh, we went to high school together, we ran together, now we're in college together, and I could see when he was starting to go down. And, um, and it usually was over girls, you know. And, and so when you start to go 
down, I'd step in and I'd say, Bob, Bob, you're better than this. Don't go down. You're better than this. And finally he stopped me and he said, would you just shut up? Did you ever think that maybe I enjoy being depressed? (laughs) So what are we saying? We are saying that when we re-believe in what Jesus has done for us, we are creating, we are cooperating with the spirit of making things new. And it starts with our thinking, and then Paul says, then you will able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So now with a fresh mind, let's go back to the diagram, we see what's going on here. I stopped conforming, my thinking is new, and now I have new options of behavior. And this is all coming from the Apostle Paul, from his own experience inspired by the, by the Holy Spirit to give it to us. So here we are. And I want to suggest to you that every single thing that, that's in our life, the easy stuff and the hard stuff, the Holy Spirit can tackle. I was with some of the other night and they, and they said, you know, you're, you're always talking about transformation. I just remember struggling with smoking Smoked for 21 years, and I just prayed, and it went away like that. And I said, well, good for you. Do not tell that to anyone else who is struggling with smoking, because <laughs> they won't rejoice. They'll hate you, <laughs> you know, because it didn't go away. Like So for some of us with some issues, I admit there are transformational moments that, boom, it's gone. But other things... They're like Achilles' heels that we struggle with. Do you remember Peter? Uh, I don't think you've ever thought about this, but remember when he denied the Lord three times, and the third time with cussing, probably said things like, Dagnabbit, I'm, I'm, I don't know the guy. I just, and have you thought about why he did that? It's probable that he wasn't going to be killed. Fear. He's fearful about what people think about him. That was his Achilles heel. These are the religious guys. These are the important guys. And they're they're saying this about me. And in that moment, the lemming effect just got a hold of him and he conformed. And then he hated himself for it. But watch this. You think he's all better. That he's all healed. Jesus restores him. He's he's leader of the band. and, And... And then in the book of Acts, he's hanging out with Paul. They're eating this big potluck with Jews and Gentiles. You know, the old world said that Jews can't eat with the Gentiles, but now they're all just hanging around. And the big boys, the religious guys from Jerusalem, come down to Antioch to see what's going on. And Paul sees the guys and says, oh, these guys think that we're not supposed to eat with Gentiles And uh, I care about what they think. And Peter goes right back and separates again from the Gentiles. Lemming. But Paul was there to help him. (laughs) And he publicly called him on it. (laughs) Wow. Peter, 
Do you remember just a little while ago, you were eating with us, but now that these guys have come, now you've separated because you're conforming. Folks, we all have Achilles heels. And you can talk about them or maybe not. But I think even those areas, God wants to set us free and to make us new. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you that we can think radically, we can think about becoming new. And God, as we're already thinking about the areas that you might want to change in our lives, both behavior and thoughts, uh, God, we can be overwhelmed. We just want to tell them all to get in line and take a number. And we can't, we can't do this without you, but we're invigorated to think that you would be the one, Holy Spirit, that is transforming us. So this morning, we would just simply invite you. We invite you to set us free from conforming. We invite you to give us new thoughts and give us the courage to choose new thoughts. And then, God, we pray that you would give us the courage to choose new behavior that's pleasing to you. Thank you, Lord, that one day you will have completed the process and all things will be made new. But in the meantime, you've already begun with us. So come do your work in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Will you stand with me? Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.